Welcome to the AMP Members Roundtable Series. I'm Stephanie Decker, a 25-year member. I'm Alicia Eust. I'm the Senior Manager of Learning Development at AMP, and I've been with AMP for 13 years. Um, and I'm Pam Nicoletti. I'm the Senior Director of Global Operations. My role at AMP um, is to oversee the delivery of training worldwide. Um, today, we're joining you from the Alcometer Building. This is one of our typical classrooms. We have six classrooms here on site. We welcome about 5,200 students a year to this facility here in Houston. Um, and we're just thrilled to be here to, to, with Stephanie to talk to you today. Awesome. Stephanie. We're going to start with uh, some questions we've received from members. Alicia, we'll start with you on this one. What can you tell us um, to kind of bring us back to the merger when Legacy NACE um, CIP program and Legacy SSPC PCI program bringing us to the relaunch of the AMP CIP Level 1 course, kind of where we started and, and where we are now at this relaunch. Sure. The coding inspection industry is just like any other industry. It continues to grow and to evolve. New best practices come forward, new technology comes out, uh, equipment changes and gets updated. And so we were starting to receive feedback uh, from industry, from students, that they were looking for some different things in the course. You know, some areas that were outdated, there's some new equipment on the market that they wanted to see um, showcased in the course that they were using out in the field. And so we pulled together a group of members to take a look at the content in the course and really what the future needed to be for the course. And at the same time, uh, we had the merger between AMP and SSPC going on in the background. And so that really gave us the perfect opportunity to take an even larger look at this course and bring in more members, uh, get more feedback. And SSPC has a, had a coding inspection course called PCI. And so we were able to take the best of PCI with the best of CIP and put it together to get one best-in-class, world-class program that really represented the best of both associations as the new AMP. Awesome. When that was launched, the new AMP CIP program, if I were a member with a NACE CIP certification, what happens with my certification? Does it automatically move to the AMP? Does it roll over? What, what is the process like for me if I held that NACE? CIP certification. So the process is uh, relatively unchanged. If you held a, a NACE CIP certification before, you will continue to hold an AMP certification. So the only difference was the name change got updated to basic coding inspector, but the process is exactly the same. So there's no change. Everything's automatic. Okay. And so does that also apply to the SSPC? PCI certification. Same answer for that. Yes. Is it automatic or do I have to do anything? They don't have to do anything. There is, you don't have to retest. Uh, when you, uh, when your certification is up for renewal, you will get a new, uh, new card that says AMP on okay. it rather than SSPC. Okay. And Stephanie, I want to add that all the members that were involved in the transition committee, um, what they really wanted to do with the CIP certifications and the PCI certifications is ensure that we had the least disruption to people holding those certifications. So that's why they transitioned into the new AMP certification. And, and we're really happy that it's not going to impact people and their careers. It's going to allow them to hold that exact same certification as they are before. So as their certification from a legacy mm -hmm. 
um, program expires, there's not a, a gap in that when it rolls right over to the new. It'll, it'll automatically transition to the new one. Okay. Um, Pam, speaking of new, yeah. <laughs> okay. What's what's new in the CIP level one for the AMP? The new relaunch CIP level one. Right. Yeah. So Alicia's team did an amazing job leading kind of a, a two and a half year transition into the new course. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you highlight the new things in it, um, and I will happily add in. But I know your team really loved that effort. Yeah. So one of the things that we heard from students uh, in their surveys, we do a survey at the end of every class. So they had two big asks that we saw repeatedly. One, they wanted color manuals. And two, they wanted more equipment, more hands-on time. That is the hallmark of this program, is the fact that it is very real life. We put them through lots of practice labs that put them in real life situations. So they are out there uh, taking dry film thickness measurements, doing holiday testing, just like they would do out in the field. And they wanted more of that. So we went from five labs and we have increased that up to nine labs to give them more experience with the equipment. So when they are going out in the field after they complete their course, they're more comfortable, they're ready to go out there and contribute and make meaningful impact immediately. So Stephanie, one of the questions we receive frequently is, we had transitioned to a five-day course mm -hmm. under what was NACIP level one. And of course, PCI was also five days. Um, and as Alicia and her team looked at the content and looked at this new course, the discussion was, can we teach this in five days? And should we mm -hmm. teach this in five days? Um, and the answer that, that they kept coming back to was, we can't teach all the content we need to teach in five days. So the new course is six days. Um, and it's six days because we want to ensure that students are getting all that hands-on practice and that lab and that classroom experience to make sure we're giving them the best we can. Students still have an option to take the first three days online and then to come to, for the three days in the classroom. But, but ultimately, you know, we, it's going to be six days. Mm -hmm. and, and we get a lot of questions about that. And I just want your audience and our audience to know that it's six days because that's what the classroom, the, the content dictated. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of the equipment and additional time, mm -hmm. I know that y'all worked on some additional videos and graphics um, on the equipment from the manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Can either one of you tell us about that? That was probably the third ask um, from <laughs> students on their wish list was to have more videos. And students learn better when you can reach them from different points. So you want them to be able to pick up and hold equipment and use it. You want them to be able to see so if they can see it on a video being used and how to um, set it up, how to take measurements then they can also read it. And at the same time, they've got the instructors there telling them, so you're hitting all the different uh, sensory elements. And that helps students really retain that, uh, that content. And we wanted the pictures and the graphics and the drawings to all to be very real life. You know, none of the cartoon drawings or something that looked like it came from 1980. So we, we went out to industry and we were like, send us your best photos, show us what you do. And that really helps those students, especially those that are new to the industry, get a feel for what they're gonna be doing because this is brand new to them. So this gets them excited when they can see that. And I want to just, Stephanie, highlight, shout out to the manufacturers. Not because you're with Tinker and Razor, by the way. <laughs> um, but, but because the ask was the, the students and instructors wanted double the amount of equipment. Mm -hmm. not, not one or two extra instruments, double yeah. the amount of equipment. And the manufacturers were gracious and worked with us not only to give us that equipment, but to create these videos mm -hmm. for us. 
And so now we're able to give these students access to these videos during class, after class, before yes. class. They can get them at any time. So if they're on the field, they can pull out that phone, watch that video, and then immediately pick up that instrument and use it. So it's just, it's a real advantage to the students, and it's something we didn't have in either CIP or PCI. Right. So it is a new thing, and we're just really, I'm really excited about it. So Yes, that's a great point. So when they finish their class mm -hmm. and they're back at work, whether mm -hmm. it's a week, a month, a year later, they mm -hmm. still have access they to do. all of that. They do. They have a digital library, and in fact, I was just looking at it the other day, and those videos are the top views. That's great. Out of everything that's in there. That's yes. great. Well, in this relaunch of CIP1, Alicia, how did we prepare the instructors? So we pulled the instructors together at uh, our semi-annual or every other year train the trainer event um, held at conference. So this past year it was in, uh, we were in San Antonio. So we had them in there for a full two days. And so we had uh, our pilot instructors, they were teaching uh, our, our instructors on how to break down and teach this new content. We had the manufacturers there that were show, showing the new equipment that we have in the course and how to work with it and how to um, get everything set up. We had new labs, so we walked the instructors through all of how to set up these equipment, how to conduct these labs. Um, how to get the students involved and engaged so we had a good conversation going and the students were, you know, interactive. That's, that's kind of the key word. We want everything to be really interactive. We don't want it to be passive learning. We want them to be participants in everything that they do when they enter this classroom. So we were working with instructors on how to do that. So we also videotaped it and we've held online sessions with the instructors that could not be with us in San Antonio so that we have everybody up to speed and excited uh, to roll out the new course. Pam, what can you tell us about the feedback from members? Where did that come into play when putting this relaunch together, when working on everything that you did with the manufacturers, the instructors, where did the feedback come from? Sure, so, so with any course rewrite or redevelopment, you know, you're getting student and survey feedback and you're getting anecdotal feedback, mm -hmm. but then you need to consolidate that to right. really understand what needs to be changed, what's new, um, what new equipment needs to be included, what needs to be taken out, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. Not much was taken out, right. but a little bit. Um, and so there were three different surveys launched. Um, it went to all of our instructors, mm -hmm. went to our manufacturers, um, and it went to students where they were able to comment what, what needs to be updated with the course, what, what don't you want to be taught, do you not want to be taught a sling psychometer anymore? Um, and we went through those surveys. Then we pulled together over a hundred SMEs. And that's kind of one of the hallmarks of our process at AMP is that we want courses to be peer feedback. Mm -hmm. We don't want them to be one individual or two individuals. We want to make sure that we're hearing industry and not only industry in the United States, but industry outside of the United States because we're a global organization. So. Um, it was probably, what would you say, six or eight months of feedback was gathered before yes. we even started working mm -hmm. on the course. And then we've been recruiting the SMEs, um, and they were so generous to, to donate their time. Yeah. Um, and I think the result, the new course, you'll mm -hmm. see, and it's, it's a really good course, and it reflects the needs of industries um, and our customers. Right. So. We also held us uh, three in-person focus groups. Very intense workshops where we mm -hmm. just ask question after question about uh, what uh, 
what the industry was seeing in the field, where students needed to have more experience, uh, the types of projects they were taking on, so what do students have to be prepared to go out and do? And so that feedback was instrumental in determining the future of this course and what it needed to look like and where we wanted to focus with so many topics. You know, we wanted to highlight the ones that were the most important as that feedback helped us get there. So in short, it sounds like this is member-driven. Very much so, 100%. Before we get to um, the last question that I have about uh, what's next for courses, we did have a member submit this question, Pam, I was hoping you could sure. elaborate. They just wanted to know the difference between OQ and certifications with AMP. Sure, sure. So OQ is Operator Qualification. Um, and it was introduced, um, I guess, probably 10 years ago, maybe longer, by PHMSA, mm -hmm. the Pipeline Hazardous uh, in Safety Information, and, sorry, Safety Administration in the United States. And the operator qualification is task. So we're going to go out and have you do a task in the field and ensure that you know how to do that task. We're not going to ask you to apply your knowledge. You're not going to take a computer-based test. You're not going to take a practical exam. You're going to do one specific task. Think, I'm going to go out and basically take a ground measurement. That's what OQ is. Um, and again, many of our courses have those tasks embedded in them. So they have operator qualification tasks embedded in them. But we don't teach those tasks specifically. They're embedded in the course. Okay. So if you go to IS Networld, for example, they recognize um, that CIP meets some OQ task. Mm -hmm. And so th that's kind of how that, that's it. So, answer, I guess, <laughs> so it's correct to say that your certifications may be used to qualify thank you. for yes. an operator qualification? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yes. Alicia, what can you tell us about what's coming up next for courses? What's in the pipeline? So the team is working on a course on CP field techniques and rectifier troubleshooting. This is a topic that came up repeatedly from members during the merger when we were uh, working with members from NACE and SSBC on what should the portfolio look like in the future for AM. And this was an area that is only touched on in our current CP lineup. And so this is an area that we are going to start focusing on. Uh, and this course is about to go into development in the next few weeks. So hopefully sometime in 2023, we will be launching a brand new course on field techniques. And if I were a member that wanted to be involved with that development, is there a way to be involved or provide feedback? And if so, how would I get involved? Absolutely. We integrate members at every stage of the process. So we have members that are involved up front, and then we have members that review content, and then we have members that during our pilot stages give us feedback on what we built. And so, yes, absolutely. I would please reach out. Okay. We'd love to have you involved. Just to add a little bit, Stephanie, we're also always looking at emerging topics. So sustainability, um, concrete, you know, the Surfside Collapse, we've been looking mm -hmm. at that for some time. Um, we receive feedback about all of those courses, specialty courses on CIP. So there are other things like pipelines that we don't teach today that people are asking for. Um, and lastly, we're always getting a lot of requests for e-courses. What's the next e-course? Mm -hmm. What can I do from my house? Right. And so we're always looking at the portfolio and saying, is there a course that lends itself to being taught in that format? So. Always a lot of things in the pipeline. Um, mm -hmm. Always happy to hear from, from members and customers who might have ideas yes. about additional courses that we haven't considered yet. Yeah. That's great. Thank you, ladies, for joining me today for this roundtable. 
You can find me on LinkedIn, Stephanie Decker. You're welcome to email me, sdecker at tinker-razor.com. If you have any questions you'd like to submit for a future roundtable, and ladies, if you could please advise members how they can reach you. I can be reached at alicia.used at am.org. Um, and Pam Nicoletti, I'm not going to try to spell that, hopefully they'll put it up <laughs> on the screen, um, at am.org. I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter, um, and really love to hear from you, love your feedback, um, and please reach out.